1: Get iXL now, and listeners can get an exclusive 20% off iXL membership when they sign up today at iXL.com slash audio. Visit iXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
0: Welcome back. Welcome in. Merry Christmas to you. This is Country Roads Confidential at earsports.com. I am Mike Casaza welcoming in Chris Anderson. Once more with Feeling Chris, we preview a Mountaineer football game, this time the Duke's Mayo Bowl, on Wednesday, 5.30 p.m., against the University of North Carolina in Charlotte, Bank of America Stadium. Two teams who probably can't believe they are in this game, huh? Yeah, I like the way you put that, for different reasons, of course. But yeah, absolutely. UNC 6-0, and number 10 in the country. One of the best offenses, some of the top star power in the country at one point. Staggers to the finish line, 2-4, and four, counting a win against an FCS team toward the finish. Chris, back-to-back games, 20 points against both Clemson and North Carolina. That's 40 points total. They were averaging 39.9 before that. I don't know, people got a whiff of their offense and snuffed it out or if they just kind of hit the doldrums and faded at the end of the season. Quite the opposite for West Virginia. flatlining a little bit in the middle of the season, surging toward the end. We've chronicled this before by important metrics that measure the Mountaineer success in offense. One of the very best offenses in the country in those special categories that are kind of unique to West Virginia, but ever less important. And this is the team that is not in a Big 12 bowl game right now that got selected from a small number of teams. You're looking at, I don't know, UCF, West Virginia, Minnesota maybe to get into the spot, but I think you could expand that list and kind of assume that West Virginia with the offense, the expected star power, not going to the portal, not going pros, coming back on offense. A lot of alumni in the area. This could be a fun game for the fans, but also for viewers. Quite happy to be here. UNC's looking at like a New Year's Six game in the middle of the season, and now they got a road trip, an exotic bowl location Of the Queen City, which is not too far from Chapel Hill, I think perspective really matters here. It helps one team get through this. I don't know four week period between games, and I would imagine that West Virginia expects to be on the front foot here when they do kick off. Yeah, I think there's a real opportunity
2: for West Virginia here, and I think, I think that they know that you know that that they're looking at this as a chance to continue to ride that momentum this win get the nine and four. Um, we, we've talked about some of the of where that would rank, you know historically. you know it's only happened at, I believe it was like eighteen sometimes in hundred and thirty some seasons. So it pretty rarefied air. to that nine win spot for West Virginia. Um, and then given what we talked about last week with signing day, with where they're sitting out with transfers, with where they're sitting with what guys are coming back. It's an opportunity to kind of build again, build this momentum, but also no obvious point in the anywhere in the near future where they could stumble. (laughs) Like I say that, and knowing that might jinx some things, so knock on wood, but you know, there's not like another game after that where they might miss out. Some guys, the portal is going to be closing soon, so hopefully. You know, you just have a couple departures after the bowl game that you kind of already know about, and then that's it. And then you're kind of just cruising into the spring game, and and you can have a lot of good feelings for a long time, which would be a welcome change in the
0: Yeah, let's go over some of the historical significance here. That you mentioned a little bit, and I think we should explain. West Virginia really circled, well, it circled 14 in the beginning of the year, but now it's circling the number nine. Um, there have been 12 Big 12 seasons now. Ten games, they've won once. Eight games, they've won twice. This is one of those eight-win seasons, so that's pretty good. And then you can't do better than six Big 12 wins right now, but certainly a bowl win would help. But again, one time with six Big 12 wins, one time with more than six Big 12 wins. So you're looking at one of the two or three best Big 12 seasons. West Virginia has been expected to be good and been good before. This is a little bit different. Not expected to be good, but has been good this year. And again, from a valley in the middle of the season to peaking now at the end, I think that's good. Here's what's interesting to me when it comes to both these teams going in here, and it may have no relevance to this, but it's never less important, especially when it comes to fans. West Virginia, 16 and 23 in bowl games, one and four in the last five, three and eight in the last eleven. Yee. You wonder why maybe fans aren't so jazzed about going to games and why the promoters of these games aren't so jazzed about getting the fans there. UNC 15 and 22 all time, three straight losses, three and 10 in the past 13. And if you look at what they've done the past couple of seasons at the end, um, this is Mac Brown's fifth season, fourth season, 19, 20, 21, 22, yeah, fifth season. My bad. Can't do math. Um, and again, these last two years, they've really kind of staggered in the postseason which is not what you want there. First season kind of won some games, won a bowl game. They've lost three straight bowl games, taken some losses at the end of the year where they looked like they were going to be in a really good position for a bowl game and didn't, and then just didn't play well in the bowl game, which leads us to this here. We'll talk about personnel and star power right now, Chris. I think it's where you begin here. West Virginia, um, minimal damage by the portal. I think we can say that. Mike Lockhart's won. Justin Johnson's a surprise, I think, but that's from a position of strength. Maybe even the defensive line is a position of strength. James Hurd is a surprise. Hershey McLaurin. I don't know. Just a a guy who played and started and could be back next year. But no offense to those guys. If you ranked the portal losses they could not afford to take, those would not be very high players. Flip it. Who is playing for UNC? I think it's the easier way to do this. We joked about this in the pre-game pod back when the bowl game was announced, our rapid reactions. We didn't assume that May was going to play. We didn't assume Tez Walker. Uh, Cedric Gray, we're going to play it. That's all been proven out to be true right now. You lose your quarterback, your receiver, but they have taken more damage through the draft, through the transfer portal, through injuries here. This is not an exaggeration. They already decided personnel disadvantage going into this game. Yeah, absolutely.
2: Going back to that um, rapid react spot that you and I did, and I asked you the question, I said, I know you got your formula for your your Vegas lines. Mm Mm-hmm what would you say it is if UNC's are all healthy? What would you say if, you know, Drake May is out? And I think we said around seven and then around one in favor of UNC. And the next day Vegas came out and West Virginia was a three and a half point favorite, I think is what it opened at. So Vegas was already building into the line that, you know, they were going to be missing a ton of players. And I think even – Worst case scenario, they like whatever you thought it might be for their guys opting out or transferring or whatnot. It might be worse than that because it's it's significant. I believe the story was seven starters out for the game um, for various reasons: some injuries, some transfer, some NFL draft, and and it's an extensive list. I mean, it's your just on offense. Do we want to start offense? As I said, maybe we'll split
0: up who's out depending on which side of the ball we're talking about. It's going to uh, take a while. So let's, let's start our offense because I have to and I'm sure you have it too. And it's worth some discussion here because it is, it's kind of all encompassing.
2: Yeah. I mean, they're starting quarterback, Drake may their top receiver, Tez Walker, their starting center, Corey Gaynor. And there's the story I saw from our UNC guys on the site referred to two starting tight ends. Um, John Copenhaver and Bryson Nesbitt all out on the starting lineup with them. Is
0: there anybody else I'm missing? No, and Nesbitt is a huge loss. He's actually kind of one of the the funkier players in the in the ACC, first-team all-conference, but like, he's a tight end on the roster. He's a receiver on pro football focus. Uh, he shares the school record with Kamari Morales, his teammate, who will not play in the game because he's transferring for career touchdown catches by a tight end. If you are a West Virginia traditionalist and you were scared about tight ends and bowl games, to know that the tight end won't be in this bowl game, that's a huge plus one. Yeah,
2: I think they said they're going to be looking at a fourth or fifth string walk-on as they're starting tight end for this game. So, I, I, Deems, May. Might be a lot in of – <laughs>
1: Yeah,
2: I think you you might be seeing some, you know, no tight end sets here.
0: I don't know what you do because if you look at their tight ends, they always had one on the field. They sometimes had two on the field. They ran the ball very well this season with Omari and Hampton. And can you put Deems, May, and they have a true freshman named Julian Randolph who was – In a highly rated tight end last year hadn't played this year. Um, I I don't know what you do. Do you expect those guys to block? Do you put extra offensive linemen on the field? You know, guys with like, you know, a a Nick Malone type, a guy who's a tackle or a guard, and all of a sudden he's putting his hand on the ground and playing tight end or something like that on the move. They're going to have to do something like that if they want to keep that part of their offense, which leads us to this. They may have a totally different offense, Chris. What do you think the chances are that this is not what we saw from UNC this season, last season with May? or with the personnel that are surrounding him, but more importantly, the tight ends and the running game, this could be something totally different with the new quarterback in there, Connor Harrell, Alabama, dual threat guy. This could be RPO, um, stick it and pull it. This could be quarterback power. This could be zone read. It could be something very different that you could compensate for some of the personnel in the draft or not healthy. Um,
2: The quarterback spot's going to be interesting because – Wide receiver, I'll get to in a moment, but I don't think that's going to be a problem for UNC even with their losses. But Harold, he doesn't play like he, he hasn't really played. This will be his first collegiate start. But you go back and look at his, you know, high school career. He went, it was twenty-seven and one with two state championships as a starter. And I'm, I want to make sure I'm reading this right, but this is from his profile on twenty-four-seven sports. 81 touchdowns to only 6 interceptions during that time. Yeah. Um it's pretty 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 nice ratio right there and any you're right he's not afraid to run either. I think he had several 100 rushing yards uh put it into the end zone a few times himself. So he he's I don't know how different he's going to be from Drake May but he, as far as like maybe what their skill set was coming out of high school or what kind of attributes they might have but of course it's going to be different because Drake May is Drake May. He's going to be like one of the top two quarterbacks, two or three quarterbacks taken in the NFL draft. Has a ton of experience starting. Harrell coming in fresh, coming in raw. I I don't think he's going to be quite as efficient as he was in high school. You know, 70 some percent completion percentage with very few interceptions, but he's got some talent
0: for sure. We'll get back to him. We'll get back to the receivers and the offense here, but let's go to the defense and who isn't playing because this is a long list as well with some important players that aren't going to be playing because of the draft or injuries as well, including the transfer portal, I should say. It's all encompassing, like I said, but this defense wasn't particularly good to begin with, and you could argue, never mind starters, some of the best players are gone, and I can't imagine what type of a void that creates. Yeah, their leading tackler, Cedric
2: Gray, uh, He was when, when you and I were talking about guys that could be leaving, it was like Jake May, Cedric Gray, and, and Tez Walker actually might have been third on our list of, of most important losses for them. And Gray is not playing, going to the NFL. Um, but sneaky one here that I wasn't personally aware of until I read the story from our UNC guys, Elijah Huzzle, I believe is how you pronounce it. Huzzy. According to PFF, Huzzle. Yeah, even better. One of their best... Maybe their best defensive back, according to Pro Football Focus, out for the game. Uh, injury, lower body injury, according to the UNC story. So that's 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 tough, man. Like, you're you're, again, your run defense isn't that good when you lose your best linebacker, your pass defense isn't that good, and you lose your best cover guy. Not a great combination, is that so? In my expert opinion, yes
0: okay um also missing from this one uh safety dJ Jones actually I believe he's gonna play he's transferring, but he's gonna play okay uh backup safety will Hardy he plays quite a bit uh cornerback tayon holloway plays quite a bit um, man West Virginia's gonna air it out and, and go deep if you're losing you know again it's it's the starters, but it's also the backups and if you play your backups now you got the backups, backup in. so, Again, sometimes it's not that you're losing a starter, but you're losing the backup too, because the backup becomes a starter, and a guy who plays and now plays a whole lot more and is replaced by somebody who hasn't played. And UNC has these issues here, um, and it's it's been a it's been a bad season, but a better season for the defense. It was tough last year for UNC. One of the reasons that they kind of did not get as far as they wanted, and the same thing this year. Better numbers in the first half of the year than at the end of the year here. Better numbers at the end of the year here. This year than they were last year, but again, not impressive at all. Vulnerabilities, and that is at full strength, not going to be at full strength here, too. Um, so again, that's the advantage here. And to to point out why this is worth talking about and leading off with, Neil Brown has been careful to make this point a couple of times, that he, he's kind of leery of UNC, and I think pushing back against what we're talking about, which is not that fans or players for West Virginia can take this for granted, and think, that UNC will roll over which may be the case, but he's not going to let people think that way, especially his team. But he says that there is going to be excitement when you put new people in and talent that they do have, because they have recruited well, in the position to play and star and kind of use as a springboard and audition, whatever you want. And you've seen that with West Virginia when they put Hudson Clement in. People are really excited to see him play. They like him. They'd see him do things in practice. Let's see what he can do. Duquesne, fine, but man, if he didn't blow up that game. When they played Jaheim White, teammates, Players, media, very excited to see what happened. There's some energy there. Look at the way they start games sometimes, Chris. They involve Rodney Gallagher, Traylon Ray, Jaheim White, people who want to get going, people who um, you know, have people who want to see them play and do things. So there's the other side of that, which is like UNC's is going to have these guys and make them play and, and see if they can excite people and whip some of that up because in games, yeah, in bowl games especially, who wants them more, who's more excited, that can do a lot. But then go to West Virginia. Haven't had draft losses, really. Haven't had portal losses, really. Uh, and then I think about this. Chris, there are guys that we know who are going to go into the portal after this game. But they want to be here to finish. They've cleared it with their coaches and their teammates. This is a big opportunity. Had a good season. Get nine wins. Can beat an ACC team at a bowl game on national television. I'd like to be a part of this. Would you have me? And the answer's been yes. I think that's a really good indicator of of a healthy mood and a healthy... It's all about the vibes, Chris, but it that there seems like it's a good thing for them right now. And again, if I'm weighing one team against the other right now, UNC might have some intangible things. I think you really have to mold that in a certain way to make it seem like it's an intangible. It's going to really matter. I don't think you have to try nearly as hard to think that West Virginia has that mojo going. Yeah, I'm with you. I
2: think that, that chance that it's sitting right there in front of them yeah. has an opportunity to you know, want to motivate West Virginia and to your point about UNC as well. You look at their depth chart right now with these departures, and right, like there, there should be some excitement on their side and some some energy from the players as well to just get out there and play. Cause it's like the starting quarterback that's a freshman, starting tight end that's a freshman, the four, five, and six receivers, all freshmen. Go through the guys that are uh, replacing on defense, freshman, 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 other freshmen new freshman back up at corner and a new freshman back up at safety it was kind of up and down the line. And it's, it's one of those things where it's like, Hey, they might be no offense. They might be too young and dumb to be concerned about the moment and go out there and play excited, energetic football, which as, as we all know for most of these bowl games, not the ones that are, you know, New York, uh, New Year six or playoffs. It's about the teams that kind of want it more in I'm with it that I don't think like UNC is going to just be like, ah, whatever, screw this. I think they have enough, again, no offense, young and dumb guys to go out there and be like, hey, I, I want to win this game.
0: Let's start UNC offense against West Virginia defense here. Start the Herald. You mentioned his stats, 72% completion percentage, a lot of touchdowns, hardly any interceptions. Team captain, valedictorian, Chris. Nerd. Heady guy. I like this. West Virginia has studied. um, tape of him. From high school. And they said boy this guy has arm talent. Arm confidence. He can air it out. Uh, That would concern me a little bit. If I was West Virginia's defense. In the secondary in particular. Teams have taken the top off a couple times. And succeeded. And this seems to be like what he can do. They'll probably lean into it. And try to hit some home runs here. And they also have a great running back too. But um, they also expect some quarterback run game as well. Hardly played this year, got healthy a little bit against Amble late in the season. So that's interesting because it is late on. It's one of those like October, November FCS games. It's not the second game of the season, the first game of the season. So he has practiced to play recently. They've also brought in Max Johnson from LSU and Texas A&M, basically saying you're not good enough, Harold. Maybe come back in a year. I'm assuming he's going to be super motivated to play this game. And he is going to have some receiver talent around him as well. New center, um, a guy who played guard for much of the year. That's going to be, um, you would think, a disadvantage. Maybe not for Harold because he's not used to anybody snapping to him. In fact, he's probably worked with a backup center more often than Gainer, the starting center. Gainer, by the way, a seventh-year senior who opted out of the game to go pro. That's a unique distinction there. Yes. Preview for a second, though. What are we expect from this? We've already talked about Harold, but you know a little bit about the receivers. They're going to hand it off an awful lot. Only 10 guys had more carries than Hampton this year. Only one did better than his 6.1 yards per carry, so he's active but also effective. This could be 80 handoffs in this game, on, Chris. Yeah, I think, and
2: that's why I'm wondering how much the Harold part of this comes into play because UNC has, for for what they have lost, they have a lot of talent still around him, and I think you're going to have all these guys, other than the center, like. West Virginia fans know you shouldn't downplay the loss of a center on the offensive line, but again, they're replacing him with Willie Lampkin, at least according to their most recent depth chart. And he played 746 snaps this year; like, he's a full-time starter. So they're more or less going to have all five starters back on the offensive line. But more, you know, you're swapping in basically your sixth guy. Um, I'm assuming it's William Barnes here, who has about 500 snaps. So. They have six guys who played a lot. Five of them are playing. Five of them are starting. So they're probably fine there. They're tight end. Yeah, that's going to hurt. Go on. Walk-ons. Running back, still there. Still amazing. We can talk about him in a second. Where it gets interesting is wide receiver. Because this has been kind of like a whack-a-mole season for them. It's like you, you knock one down, and then another one pops up, and everything's just fine. Because, obviously, to start the season, Tez Walker was sitting out. They fought with the NCAA, you know, before his uh, new evidence, new information was presented. But during that, Kobe Pesor Pesor had 15 catches for 139 yards in the first two games, 100 yards in in, uh, Walker's return. And then he gets hurt and he's out. Yeah. And then Walker steps in. So that's that. But – Leading up to Walker's return, there was also a guy named Nate McCollum, who was more of a slot receiver, and he had 27 catches for 347 yards in the three games leading up to Walker's return. He's kind of been an afterthought since then. He's only got 81 yards outside of those three games. But now he's starting. He's back in this this slot receiver role. Maybe he's the guy that's the backup. And it kind of keeps bouncing around with different guys like that. Obviously, West Virginia fans know J.J. Jones, uh, WVU legacy, who West Virginia really wanted, chose UNC. And he's been a guy that could be, you know, the go-to guy with Walker out. So there's a there's a there's quite a bit of receiver talent on this UNC team. So I don't think that's going to be a problem for him.
0: It's a bit less, though. Uh, Doc Chapman and Andre Green, two four-stars in the 2022 class. Highly talented players. Both top 247 guys. Um, both top 200, I believe. Transferred, hardly played, but never really got a chance in the field. And kind of scraping the barrel there a little bit. And just to go over Nesbitt, 6'5". 250, Um, this guy played almost all the snaps in the slot and played just about as many as the fullback as he did an inline tight end, really versatile guy, gone. And that's a chess piece they're not going to have, but he's a threat outside, inside, flat, stuff like that. And not going to have them. They're going to have to be creative. And you're guessing a little bit. Is it quick game? Is it screen? Is it RPO? Is it play action? What do you do? Like you just can't go off the script. Now, granted, you're going to do a lot of what your offensive line can do, but your offensive line can do a lot by only doing a few things. So it's it's going to be an interesting first quarter, too. First two drives to figure out what they're doing and also how they're reacting and what does the quarterback show you when you show him something? For example, you bluff a blitz. Does he check out of it? Does he look to the sideline? Does he go to a quick, you know, the first read, whatever? Um, and then can you manipulate that to make him make a mistake or to pause and just not have something to throw it away? At the win? completions, force balls, could be a chess mass in that that first quarter, I think, too. Star player still in the game. Hampton, we talked about, gets it a lot, does a lot with it. Chris, he had five runs of 50 yards and more this year. Um, seven teams had more than that. Teams. Uh, he could be a game-breaker. Again, productive with a ton of carries. Uh, number four in the country in yards per game. He was tied for the National League going into the final game. But um, this feisty defensive coordinator from NC State, and I'll have to look into him because he, maybe his star is rising. I don't know his name. But, um, boy, he put the handcuffs on Hampton, 31 yards rushing in that game. Um, really not an impressive day or an end of the season for him. But he's going to be the guy they certainly lean on here. Um, maybe as good as it gets for West Virginia's opposition this year, not named Ollie Gordon. Let me put one stat out there.
2: He has 1,031 yards. After contact. After, he's a thousand yard rusher <laughs> after contact this season. Um that's wild. Again, I, I feel like we've been saying this a lot with some of the teams that West Virginia's been playing this season that they, they've been facing some really good running backs. And as I'm looking at this list of people who have rushed for thousand yards this season, um Ollie Gordon, Daj Brooks, there's a Marion Hampton at uh number five um just rolling right down the list at UCF RJ Harvey like Imani Bailey is basically like buddy every team that West Virginia faced this season at a thousand yard rusher it feels like and and this is no different so you know that defense has to be ready for a
0: gauntlet because you know he's he's a really good runner and he is not easy to bring down uh I lied 3.1 yards per carry not 31 yards rushing I, I can't read my writing he had 28 yards rushing against nc state uh nine carries he had had at least 13 in every game more than that most of the time 19 31 15 29 19 24 15 18 13 26 16 you get my point there nine they they saw something there that wasn't working and they got away from it they also lost 39 to 22 so it wasn't day to run the ball um time of possession gonna have to be careful with it if you give west virginia opportunities Man, I just can't believe we're saying these things so confident, but if you get that offense opportunities, they're going to probably remove the ball and score here the way they've been playing. I um, figure they'll be refined and ready to go. Anything, anybody else stand out on offense for you or a matchup that West Virginia's defense maybe needs to protect against or exploit? Well, let me ask you two questions here. One, mm-hmm. you think uh,
2: somebody over in Morgantown is going to call up Gibby for some advice
0: ahead of this game? I was wondering about that, but who's the connection? A Stu? I don't know. Somebody's got to be, right? Maybe, I mean, maybe he's available. I don't know. Jeff Castile, could be a guy.
2: Yeah, that's, that's who I was going to say was Castile was the first one that came to mind. But right. I don't know. I mean, you know, coaches talk all the time, but I didn't know if that might be a phone call, quick little phone call to make. Um, second question. I was wondering about this because. I made a couple of those picks for my charity bets. And one of the ones I picked was UTSA over Marshall. Mm-hmm. And part of the reason was because I was like, Hey, their running back is really good. Ali. But I just don't, you know, he's getting ready for the NFL. He running the offseason? Do they really want to you know, rush him a lot? And he only ran the ball nine times. I'm looking around at some of the other stats and some of the other guys, a lot of the running backs are taking on a, a slightly lighter load. Um, bowl season is that something you think they might do you know like, hey man we, we don't want to put too many you know you know miles on him in this game when we still got him for one more year before he goes to the nfl who
0: oh, was it's just lingering in the back of my mind there is a pattern about that. I've seen that tweeted about too. But I also just wonder if maybe teams aren't getting healthy. Do they have some more guys? Do you reward people for for good practice habits or for doing well before the bowl game? We're going to see some of that with West Virginia for sure. It's not that DJ Oliver is going to play, and that's going to take carries away from well not CJ Donaldson, but certainly Jaheim White. Um, and again, they don't have White. Excuse me, they don't have Donaldson. They don't have Johnson. I'm not sure how much they'll give Jalen Anderson, but yeah, you can see that. That that's a good point. I think that'd be something to no true serum. See if coaches ever tell you the honest truth there. We'll see. Um, let's flip to West Virginia. Stop lingering before we flip sides. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and again, we don't have to devote a lot of time to this because, again, we don't know a whole lot about the UNC defense and what they're going to do, but we do have ideas about West Virginia's offense here. And I, I imagine they are going to use this as not just the bookend for Penn State starting the season, NC to close the season, but also a springboard for next season, Chris. I, I anticipate them to really try to be effective and efficient, but I wonder if they don't go for the gusto here and really try to be prolific, explosive, impressive because. A lot of these guys are coming back, and they're going to have people who are auditioning for, you know, magazine cover season, preseason mag season, right? Where you're trying to figure out, all right, who are the better players? Who are the guys that are going to be good in the Big 12 this year? And I really think you can make an argument for a Jaheim White, a Garrett Green, a Traylon Ray. And and this is a chance for them, a Rodney Gallagher, people like that, to really catapult, not just in the spring football, but into the offseason with collectively a whole bunch of wind at the sails of this offense.
2: There you go. Here's my here's my stat I'm watching. UNC ranks 96th in the country in 20-plus yard pass plays allowed. One out of every four completions for West Virginia this year, which is the best price rate, the best I guess, are for 20-plus yards. One out of every four times that West Virginia completes a pass, it's for at least 20 yards this season. I'm with you. I think this could be a game where you we're talking, about, hey, look at they're gonna run the ball, they're gonna run the ball, a lot of run the ball. I honestly think there could be some deep shots from West Virginia in this game. Some real really going for it, what'd you call it? Going for the gusto here, uh, for WV's offense and you know, trying things out with some different receivers and getting them downfield.
0: And the reputation of this offense of late is that if you put down the opponent the opposing defensive stats, West Virginia has been good as expected against the soft spots of a defense and I don't know why you wouldn't expect that with so much trying to prepare here and, and you figure how is it going to look oh, I don't know probably going to look like they've made it look before I don't think you'll see a whole lot of new stuff uh, refine a little bit maybe throw in some things that are specific to personnel or stuff you've been working on you've had more time to work on but I would imagine they workshopped sanded polished refined a whole lot and tried to make good things better maybe add a few things here too Do you see takeoffs for anybody? DJ Oliver is the one that really, really intrigues me. This is going to be his coming out party. Potentially. They're going to play him. It sounds like he's going to return kicks too. So too with Rodney Gallagher. Neil Brown mentioned Nico Marchio is having a good game. Or excuse me, a good couple of practices. I don't know why he wouldn't maybe slip him in and give him a play or a series or a package or something like that. Have some fun with this. You can win. Great. You can also enjoy the win too and really set yourself with momentum of the offseason here. There's a lot to look forward to pretty much any time the West Virginia's offense plays right now. This feels like it's different. Do you have your eyes on anybody anything?
2: To wonder two things, both related to the same player. Rodney Gallagher. Is this again? You mentioned him right there. Is this the game where we finally see him throw a pass? Get him get him on an end around, end around toss. downfield
0: to trailing Ray or something like that this is me tying on a tourniquet right now Chris into my veins please (laughs) I need this I think this is the game where you see that I
2: also think this might be a game where they try to get him more involved downfield like they've talked about hey want to get him the ball get him the ball in space and they're doing little jet sweeps and little screen passes and everything like that I think this might be one more where He's attacking downfield, and they're going to him on routes that are actually
0: on the field. Um, and I think you're going to see him more involved that way. I like it. We can do that. What do you think of the offensive line? Brandon Yates sliding over to center. Not Landon Livingston, not a surprise. Jaquay Hubbard will play right guard. You're going to have everybody else healthy, which means your tackles, your guard, left guard, and, and Wyatt Milam, Doug Nestor, and Tomas Remock have been – out for different times that have been healthy for the late part of the season. They're going to try to get Nick Malone in. They've also talked about some of their younger offensive linemen, Johnny Williams and Nick Cray in particular. Do you, do you think there's a spot to get some of the younger people in? They can slide Malone in as an extra offensive lineman or a tight end and not really disrupt anything, but this is a time or a place to give some of these younger players a spot. Like we're talking about a DJ Oliver, a Nico Marchio, a Rodney Gallagher, Traylon Wright, even though those two are more featured regularly. Yeah, I think you'll see Nick Malone. I think you might get a little couple
2: sneak peeks of what that offensive line might look like next year, Uh, you know, giving Nestor a little bit of a break sometimes. But the talk of, like, playing Williams and Gray, like, get it, and I understand it. And and it's not just those two, but but younger players in general for this bowl game. Like, maybe you sneak them in there a little bit for a couple plays here or one drive there or special teams for some other guys, but... How far are you going to go to get some of these guys reps while you know putting the game at risk? So to speak. you know, not saying that these guys are bad; they're just young. Like they, you're you're trying to get them experience. That's the point. But you still kind of want to play your best player so you can get this win. So I think there's there is a, um, a a breaking point there. And for me, if I were the coach, if I were coaching this, that breaking point is going to be pretty quick. Like I'm not messing around because I want that ninth win. I want that momentum. Continuing through the off season because it, it's it's too beneficial for the program as a whole to to sacrifice it just to get a oh, couple guys some like you know six extra snaps.
1: Okay.
0: West Virginia number three in the country, fewest sacks allowed per game. UNC number forty five in the country, two point two five sacks per game. By the way, that's eighth in the Big Twelve. That's a good number, and that's eight, or excuse me, eighth in the ACC. Two point two five per game, top forty five, eighth in the ACC. Um, they have played two teams, Chris, that were better than 45 in the country in sacks per game. Penn state, number one, Pitt, number 36. Those two had five sacks. West Virginia, as a team, only gave up nine sacks this year. Um, West Virginia will play Camon Rucker who plays the Jack position, eight and a half sacks, number 17 of the FBS West Virginia played one player who is higher than number 17 in the country, Houston's Nelson Caesar, he had no sack. So they have not had a lot of experience against teams that rush the passer very well or individuals who have that as a knack. It might also be that West Virginia's offensive line is pretty good at protecting the passer, and that means, why you're probably right here, they're not going to mess around the whole lot the offensive line. This defense might not be able to do a whole lot. You can't open the door and let them in to do the one thing that they do pretty well and that could be disruptive. Wrap it up here, Chris, last time. 5.30 5.30 kickoff. Who or what are we talking about at the end? I think we're talking about Traylon Ray and
2: Rodney Gallagher. We're talking freshman wide receivers. We're talking an explosive offense. Again, I think I think West Virginia zags instead of zigs or zigs instead of zags, and you're going to see more of a passing attack than maybe you're prepared for uh, some deep shots, and you're going to be talking about West Virginia scoring a lot of points and not, not calling for a win yet. I think UNC is going to be able to move the ball as well. But I think West Virginia is going to score some points, and it's going to be led by the receivers and the passing game
0: more so than the run game. So Rodney Gallagher, Traylon Ray is what I think we're talking about. All right, I'm going to flip the other side of the ball here. West Virginia's defense, that's what we're talking about at the end. Let's be honest. This could look very different on the field, on the sideline. The next time we see the Mountaineers in the field, there's a lot left to prove here. There is an idea that West Virginia's defense is better this season than last season, and that is true. Not a great defense, though. Um, UNC's offensive coaches are pretty good. Look up the names in the bios. You'll recognize them, and you'll see they are accomplished. They got time to do something here. and sometimes you're really worried about teams that you cut off one hand. How do they fight with the other? And that can be the devil you don't know. What does West Virginia's defense do? Despite advantages that you think it may have against who is not playing against UNC, did they come out looking good? Did they come out looking bad? And what does that mean for the rest of the off season? We will know more when this game is over. Join us after the kickoff. Excuse me, after the final gun, as we kick off our final rapid reaction podcast of the regular season and the postseason in 2023. Until then, I'm Mike Casazza. Chris Anderson. We will talk to you then.